Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second part of the April edition of the Luton Sound Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, James, Tony and Dan are um, with me for this. If you've missed the first part, well, you've missed the reaction to Derby Day. So make sure you listen to that because it's uh, it's great to recap a uh, win over the rivals. Uh, coming up in this um, second part, then, we're going to uh, discuss uh, the Super League fallout, how football can help itself. We'll look ahead to the rest of the season. Uh, I'll get the boys player of the season and we'll finish off with a little discussion around uh, Newlands Park, uh, some plans which were released today. OK, then, James, let's start with you. Um, whilst the town were just dismantling our rivals, six greedy bastards were um, getting together and uh, plotting a way out of English football in the uh, European Super League. It's since come to light that those six clubs were in the um, European Super League less time than it took Ishmael Sarr to get out of Cal Naismith's pocket. But <laughs> what did you um, what did you make of that? And um, what should be the the fallout from it, really? Um, I first heard about it on Sunday and I wasn't paying too much attention, really, because I was still um, basking in the glory of what happened on Saturday. So, um, you know, these things have been bandied about for years and you just think, oh, well, that's just probably a bit of brinkmanship to get a few more shekels out of UEFA or whatever. Um, so I don't really pay much mind, to be honest, um, until all the clubs started putting out statement on their website that they'd all joined this Super League. Um, and at that point, you know, well, uh, well this is a bit serious. Um, but uh, it's, it's not going to be an original reaction because everybody uh, who loves football um, and everybody who loves sport has felt exactly the same way. And, it's, and that is why, you know, these owners of these six clubs just don't get it at all. They don't get sport. They don't get football, clearly. Uh, and they don't get their clubs because um, everybody was furious um, that they would organise a breakaway league where all 12 of them are always in it. You know, and they offered this concession of, what was it, three more clubs or was it five more clubs that could possibly get in it Um and they was trying to sell that as a good thing. And it it, it goes against everything, um, uh, you know, fa- fans enjoy in this country. We're not America. We're not uh, in this franchise system. Clubs are rooted to the heart of the communities they're from, unless you're that club from down the road in Buckinghamshire, um, who are a disgrace. Um and, and, and they're, they're a massive part of those communities. Now, you follow American sport more than I do, um, but I, don't, I have a friend that lives out in uh, Carolina, and he, he says to me that, that where he's living or where they're from, they, um, they love the, the, the college sports there more than the big NFL team. And if that's the case all over that country, then that's got to be because, you know, what's the what's the point in putting too much of your passion into a team that could up sticks when they don't like the tax breaks they're getting given for uh, wherever they're playing or, you know, 
it, it, that just it just can't happen. So, uh, you know, for, for these clubs to come in and set up this Super League where you, you can't you can't really qualify, but nothing really happens. Glorified friendly league, really, isn't it? Where they get handed a load of cash, and yet they wanted to stay in their domestic league while getting pots of cash that nobody else could access, and, and so that would a cut off the meritocracy of trying to win that league and get into a European competition. And then when they come back into the Premier League, they they're head and shoulders above everyone else as well. There's that argument, but they they could also. They could have also just not bothered in the Premier League and devalued the competition that way. So the whole thing stunk, and it would have um, it would have damaged the the divisions that they were playing in. Now I find it so ridiculous that these clubs have obviously been talking about this for some time. You don't put that together out of you know the back of a fag packet, even though it appeared that way. Um, you know, you don't put that in five minutes. Um, so for them not to have got anything of value in their proposal. I was reading a fantastic article today, so I'm not going to credit it as my opinion, but um, it was talking about when the Premier League was set up and they said it was exactly the same motive behind it. She agreed it was set up with, but the Premier League was created to the backdrop of um, the, the game of football in this country, country being um, tarnished by hooliganism and, and disastrous, horrible old crumbling stadiums and, and, a, and a really poor reputation. So um, the, the way that they sold the Premier League was to say they're going to clean up the game. The, the, the phrase of it, the, the, the tagline of the Premier League at the time was a different ball game. And so people could get on board with that. And it, it essentially, let's be honest, it went from a working class game to a middle class game at that point, gradually um, at the top end, uh, uh, elite level sport anyway. Um, but this had, this had an absolute vacuum of anything worthwhile for it. And when your own fans are absolutely furious and protesting, you, you've absolutely dropped the bullet there by joining that and not consulting them. And that's the other thing, not, not, consulting them and that is because and they can they can apologize all they like in the aftermath and actions speak louder these people these owners see that that fan base not as fans they see them as customers and i absolutely fucking hate that gets on my tits calling fans anything other than fans they're not stakeholders they're not customers they're not units to shift they are fans it's much more than anything uh, you could attribute to a business i got a, a a little tweet from a brentford fan when i had a little rant about that on twitter stop calling fans stakeholders and he um messaged back saying well technically uh, the meaning of it is if you have an interest or a concern in a business then you are a stakeholder and so the fans are stakeholders and I said, but that's not how sport works. You're not, you don't have an interest or a concern in your club. You have a love and a passion, sometimes, most of the time, an absolutely irrational one in your club. Uh, I, I said to him, 
you know, I've got an interest in my bins getting emptied every week, but I don't wait all week and then cheer for the bloke who fires it into a lorry. It's, that's, <laughs> that's, it's completely different. Uh, and unless you understand that, unless you understand why why football and sport means that much to people, if you don't treat them as they are, the lifeblood of your club, then you're absolutely fucked. And those clubs have had their souls sold away from them. And I feel I feel gutted for all the fans because it's none of their fault. I feel gutted for the players and the managers because they didn't even bloody consult them either. It's just it was just six billionaires getting around the table with with three billionaires from Spain and three billionaires from Italy and going, Do you fancy a bit more money, lads? <laughs> that was all it was. It's absolutely abhorrent. And um to answer your second point, <laughs> about half an hold, hour later. Hold, hold, hold fire with the second point. We'll, I'll come back to the reform <coughs> of everything first because I've seen the other two nodding away at you whilst, um, whilst you've said that. So I'll get their views and then we'll, we'll come back to the, the reform. And I have to say, I didn't expect your dustbins to uh, make uh, any sort of impact into um, this part of the podcast. So fair play for getting them in into it. <laughs> um, Dan, I'll come to you. Apart from the fact that somehow Tottenham have weaseled their way in when Luton have won a trophy more recently than what they have, assuming that we get this podcast out before Sunday uh, yeah. Cup final, in case we're tempting fate. Um, what did you what, what What did you make of it? I mean, um, th- there's been an awful lot of this kind of thing on the horizon, hasn't there? I mean, this season started with Project Big Big Picture, and yeah. you know this has come along. And if you read the papers today, there's now rumours of a British Premier League where. Celtic and Rangers are going to come down. I mean, you know, what, what do you make of the whole thing? Right. Firstly, the Celtic and Rangers thing. No, absolutely not. Next question. Um, <laughs> it shouldn't happen. That's uh, it's not allowed. They're they're a Scottish they're Scottish football teams. Uh, they belong playing in the Scottish league. Same as Arsenal to Spurs, Chelsea, and that are English teams. They should be playing. Same as Barcelona, Spanish team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I I remember. I sat exactly where I am now. I had the Sunday game on. I wasn't paying much attention to it, but I heard it flashed up that there was a Super League being formed and I just stared into space a little bit like when we've been relegated before and you just you just can't believe, you can't really take in what's happening. And the seriousness sort of erupted overnight. I remember waking up Monday morning, I stuck the radio on and it was all over that. And the more and more I heard, the more angry I got that... Um, my, my initial reaction was get the Sox, top six clubs out. If they want to break away, let them go because I, I don't want, I'm, I'm sick to death of these clubs thinking that they're entitled to all the money, entitled to all the success. So go and make a breakaway league. And then when you see people like Jurgen Klopp and Milner coming out, like James said, they weren't even consulted about it. And it just shows the greed and the, the audacity more over anything that these people think that they can just. Uh, Let's make a breakaway league, and everyone's just going to go. Yeah, all right, let's do it. And I mean, like you said, Spurs showing up in the um, in the discussion is a bit like showing up with a crucible and putting fifty p on the table, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and it's it's just not it, it, everything. <laughs> you like that one, James? <laughs> everything about it is just morally, ethically, and everything, everything, the whole thing, top to bottom, is wrong. And the biggest the biggest problem I've got with it, I mean, okay, we it was kicked into touch Tuesday night. I was guest on a friend's podcast 
uh, giving my views on that. Um, and as we were on, news was breaking. Like I was only on for 15 minutes and we had about four different breaking news. So I didn't actually get to say a lot on it. Um, but the, the scariest thing about it is this isn't the end of it. It's been brewing up for years. And, I, and the Real Madrid chairman and the Barcelona chairman seem unanimous in that this this is going to happen. The Juventus chairman sort of backed in and sort of come back in, in and out like, a, like the okie-cokie. And it, it, that's the saddest thing. It, it, they're adamant that it's going to happen and we have to do absolutely everything we can Um to stop it because it, it, sh- it shouldn't be allowed to happen. And it, 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 like you said, it's the fans that suffer most. Um, I know people of like Tottenham fans that um, that want to go and watch their local sides rather than these big wig sides now because they've just had enough of this elitism that they've shown and, and moreover, the huge disrespect and disregard for anybody else's feelings, but their own pockets. And it, the whole thing stinks, basically. If I was a Tottenham fan, I'd want to go and watch my local side as well. Um, well, if I was a Tottenham <laughs> fan, I'd have done myself over a while. Back. To be fair, yeah. Two years ago, <laughs> Mourinho is more than enough for uh, for anyone. I can't believe you weren't rooted and glued to Man United against Burnley, which I believe was the Sunday game that you mentioned, but no fair play. Um, Tony, I can't remember what game it was, to be honest. It was that insignificant to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I know you've got strong views Um on this one, as I said to James um, a minute ago, we'll come on to the reform and the punishment and everything else shortly. Um, but what did you make of, you know, the proposals? As I said to Dan just then, you know, we've now had Project Big Picture this season. We've got European Super League. Clearly, something is in danger of happening if it's allowed to. Yeah, I I um, was very angry at the news and uh, I... I, along with uh, James, and, and by the way, I, I would mention that um, if you want to read a good article, read James's article in the Lutonian uh, about this. It, 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 it's really, oh, cheers, really good article. <laughs> no, 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 bravo for what you're reading. And uh, uh, people should go online to the Lutonian and, and read this article. Absolutely summed a lot of it up. Um, and uh, my first attitude. My first reaction when I heard it was, you bunch of fucking bastards, you greedy, greedy bastards. Mm. Um, and the sheer hypocrisy of it all, I, I I looked at it and I thought, do you, know, do you know what really gets my goat about this? Is the big six clubs, they get together and they're giving it, we know what's best for football. We care about grassroots. You know, we want to see the game and survive. And we're the best ones to do that. And I think, what a load of bollocks. The only thing you guys care about is money. You're you're coin-eyed bastards. They do not understand our our game. They do not understand our culture. Um, One of the worst things that's ever happened in this country was allowing foreign ownership of our football clubs. You've only got to look back. They don't understand. You, you you remember the whole city thing when the guy came in and wanted to change the name to whole city tigers. Yeah. The guy who came in at Cardiff and wanted to change their colors to red. This it's, just shows you they have no understanding of our game in America. It's a closed shop. Yeah. Yeah, you get something for winning, but there's no consequences for failure. 
Mm. And that's the beautiful thing about the game in this country and the rest of the world is you can rise to the top. The possibility is there. It's remote. But if this had come to fruition, never again would you have seen what I've mentioned on previous podcasts, like the rise of Nottingham Forest in the late 70s, going from a second-rate, second-division club to European champions in three years. You would never, ever see that again. And I think the time has come to put a halt to all this. You know, historically, this has gone on. And and, and it's, people say, oh, the formation of Premier League wasn't just the formation of the Premier League. It was when the big clubs got their way, we should keep all the gate money. We shouldn't share the gate money. Yeah. Then flotation of clubs on the stock market. This is what allowed these greedy bastards to get their foot in the door. Then the formation of the Premier League and all this bollocks about it being great for the national side and everything. Is it bloody hell? Because they hate giving up their players for their national teams. They absolutely detest it. You know, and then foreign owners coming in. But not only that, you look, they took they wanted to set up a European Super League. The week before they were mind, there's too many games in football, we're playing too many matches. And then you look at it. 39th game, all about money, 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 revenue. That's all they care about. 39th game. It, it's it's just crazy. The money that came in, where did it go? Bloody agents. That's where the money's gone. And players' salaries have gone through the roof, unjustifiably through the roof. I don't blame the players for this. Don't get me wrong, because we were in their shoes. You'd get what you want. But it's too far too long. It's the tail wagging the dog here. You know? And let's make no mistake here. These owners... I agree with what the other two guys have said. Their apologies and everything don't mean shit. May as well have not written a single word of it. Mm. Okay. So supporters and supporters organisations have got to watch these clubs like a hawk. Okay. Because they knew that supporters' actions and everything came out. Because don't forget, there's a lot of ill will there and supporters can cause so much disruption. I mean, look what Chelsea did straight away, blocking the team coach going in there. So it just mm-hmm. shows you part of the power that supporters have got. Okay. And, and it has, it has gone far too much in, in the power of these foreign owners coming in and, you know, and also not only taking over clubs, look at what the Glazers did. They borrowed so much money to buy Manchester United. And what did they do? They got Manchester United. The club is saddled with the debt now. Not them, the club. And these owners coming in and then all of a sudden they take hold of the assets like grounds. And and it it has got to stop. It's been said the game has been taken away from the working man. You know, all this as well, all seated grounds. Never, ever have supporters been consulted about anything. Mm. What under industry <clears throat> ignores people, and I'm going to use two, two words I hate to see about football, customers, as James said, who buy their product. 
This is all since football is a game and a sport, and it's quite right. It is the beautiful game, but my God, is it a wicked and ugly business. Mm. I hate to see it described as a business, and I hate it when they talk about the product on the pitch. And then when you see all the bollocks that comes on about Sky Sports and they're giving it Super Soccer Sunday and all this, and I bloody hate it. You know, it all this bollocks about, you know, uh, it's been brilliant since 1992. The game has been in existence for 150 years, if not longer. You know, so um, there's a there's a lot there that we need to protect and we need to fight for. Yeah, I mean, for those um, listening to this who aren't old fogies like Tony, um, the modern day Nottingham Forest would be Leicester winning the Premier League. And of course, that wouldn't be able to happen. Uh, that, that The chance of that um, or the magnitude of that wouldn't be as big um, if this Super League was to happen. Um, so what's the answer then, James? I mean, I... I, I I hinted in um, part one of the podcast about Gary Sweet's um, programme notes for the Reading game. And he laid out 12 um, details as part of a football reform, each of which, as you would expect from someone like Gary, uh, was was bang on the mark and, ma- and made an awful lot of sense. Um, so, so what's the answer? First, there's two questions to what's the answer, I guess. What's the answer for these six clubs? What should their punishment be? And um, what's the answer for football as a whole to stop this from happening again? Because, as I said, this is the second one this season, so it's not going to go away unless something changes. Yeah, No, it, that's the thing. Uh, the vultures are still circling. And the only way that they'll stop is if you deter them. And you've got to think what deters them. You know, um, thanks for Tony. Uh, pointing people to the article I wrote in that I said that if if this European Super League goes ahead then you kick them out you kick them out of every domestic competition and cut cut that off from them um, you know this, it's not going ahead now so I think my opinions uh, we obviously can't kick them out of the, those competitions but I think you need to really hit them where it hurts and, and but that's the thing where where does it hurt um, that they, they need punishing. Um, is that points deductions? Is that even possible? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I've not looked into the Premier, Premier League laws, but if it is possible, smack them with as much as you can. It's, <clears throat> you know, we're, we are preaching to the choir here. Uh, everybody knows how draconian the measures were that hit Luton. And they hit the wrong people because the owners that caused the problems were long gone, you know, with, with boats, with defenders' names on and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> it's the fans. It's, it's, it's you guys. It's uh, the 2020 board that got the, the punishment for that. Um, you know, and it resulted in, in five years in the, in, in the non-league. Now, these big clubs... They're not. That won't happen to them. They won't. They won't be on the brink of oblivion, going out of existence. But you can. You can bloody their noses. You know, Juventus and Glasgow Rangers got kicked down the divisions in their domestic competitions. Why not here? Mm. Why? Why can't that be the same thing? 
that will hit them where it hurts. If they cannot get into Europe, not even a sniff of it, which is what they want to be, then that is going to hit them where it hurts. Um, and, you know, it's, however you punish these clubs, those fans that weren't consulted had nothing to do with it and didn't like it. They're going to get, they're going to get, um, they're going to get punished as well. But the, the simple fact remains, and it's not just Luton who have been hit with points um, deductions. So many teams um, in the football pyramid that have also had the same, well, not the same, that no, there's no one been hit with the same amount of points. But there's lots of teams that have. And it's never the fans' fault. Um, so, you know, I, I was also speaking to a couple of uh, lawyer friends that I had and just trying to draw a sort of comparison between, you know, what can happen. And when you're thinking about those teams, Luton and Bournemouth and <clears throat> Wigan recently, all the teams that have had points deductions, that's a precedent set by the governing bodies. They've decided to do that and follow uh, the letter of the law. Mostly of those have been administrations follow the letter of the law, but they've, they've, they've followed that precedent and they've, they've deducted points. Mm. Now, in law, if something, uh, uh, if, if, if a fund, fundamental principle of, uh, it's a fundamental principle of natural justice that the rules are applied consistently. So if something becomes case law, it can be used again and again and again in any sort of criminal or, or legal case down the line. So why now are they even talking about, well, we can't punish them? That wouldn't be right. It is right because you've done it for everyone else. And the reason you won't is because they're, they're still lording it over you as this big six clubs that have got all the money. Mm. And it stinks. It needs to be one rule for everyone. And they need to be hit with some punishments, which means they do not do this again. And I'm absolutely sick of a lot of them, um, you know, acting the way they do. You won't, by the way, you won't get it from the government. You know, they were talking a big game. 72 hours ago, how they were going to put in laws to prevent this from happening. And I'm absolutely convinced the only reason they got involved saying that sort of stuff is because it fit their anti-Europe agenda. But that's off the table now, yeah. so they won't give the monkeys. You know, it, it fit their, um, this wet dream they have about being hard men, Englishmen, standing up to Europe and saying no. But... That's gone now. So you hear nothing of this from the culture, media and sport department. You hear nothing anymore about this from Boris Johnson. So football, again, is on its own dealing with these sharks. And uh, you, you've, got, you've got to take them out. And, um, you know, I, I don't I, I repeat myself. I don't want wish this on those fans. It's not their fault. But an example has got to be made. Otherwise, it's going to happen again. Dan, what would you like to see as a punishment? I mean, James <coughs> said there that it's not the fans' fault, but it weren't our fault when we lost 40 points mm. and no one gave a shit about us. So, um, yeah. you know, what uh, if 
if you had control of football, what would you do to this big six? Um, I don't know. I mean, what James was saying there, um, I actually agree with. I, I, I was going to say before he made a very good point there um, that they, they haven't actually done anything wrong in terms of breaking any laws or rules. What they've done here is something that's ethically and morally wrong by every which way you can look at it. Um Gary made a point in his programme notes, uh, I've just got them in front of me here, about supporters' trust to be invited to buy shares and to hold veto rights over material changes to shareholdings, which I believe is something we've we've got within our club when we're very lucky to have. 50, uh, all German clubs have it. Um, the, the, the main consensus on that is that it's a bit late for football over here. I, I disagree with that because I think if we carry on to let these monsters have try and have all the money and try and have all this power and try and dictate to us, you know, we will do this because we are top six and all that. I, th- I, th- I think we're going to be in even more trouble. But on on the flip to that, who's got the money to buy out the shareholders at Manchester United, for example? It's it, it's a real big, um, massive, massive hurdle for anyone to jump, really, to get control. And then whoever's got that kind of money is probably up to no good anyway when he's, when he's suddenly got the big seat. So it, it, it's a real... It's it's a real problem, isn't it? Um, but I, th- I think FIFA and UEFA they've they've grown some balls over the last few days and stood up to them. Uh, I'd like to see that continue, and I'd like to give them a proper. Uh, and we've had this proper persons test thing that supposedly existed in English football. It didn't exist before twenty twenty came into Luton Town. Uh, it didn't exist when Vincent Tan took at Cardiff when the whole guy came in, um, and if. If it exists now, I'd, I'd like to see it because I really don't think it does. And I think there's there's got to be something to say that fans need to have a say because, like we've said, up until now, we've been crying and crying at them, moaning, like complaining constructively about what's going on and why things are wrong and why these big six have got all the money. And we're just being ignored because somebody's lining the pockets in the hierarchy upstairs. I think, you know, the, the FA are happy because the Premier League's making a shitload of money and it's making them look good. But as, as somebody made a point earlier, the national team suffered massively. Um, the 2018 World Cup was a bit of a one-off, but before that, we've been we've been utterly shit. Um, for, for, for a country that has so much, um, so much, like, re- respect in the game in terms of, like, the Premier League's the biggest league in the world. Um, where where are where are our quality players? They can't get in because we've got uh, so many foreign players, which I, I don't have too much of a problem with. I do think that needs capping as well, but that, that, that's another discussion, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the answer is you've got to you've, you've got to have some sort of control on who is taking over these clubs and proper, properly vet them. As for punishment, uh, I think James is right. Actually, I think he's made a really good point there. Um, they've. They've thrown the managers and the coaches and the players, and most importantly, the supporters, they've thrown them all under the bus, picked them up and chucked them into the next train. Um, and they they should be punished. I don't necessarily think the club should be, but they should be punished. They should be fined for every penny they've got and it should be redistributed amongst uh, the rest of the uh, Football League, which won't happen, um, but we can all dream, can't we? Yeah, no, that's exactly my view. Um, punish If they want to come back, punish them. 
mm. I don't know, whatever the figure is, 100 million, whatever it is, give them whatever a transfer. Whatever they've got. Whatever yeah, they've give, got. Give them a transfer ban for a while and spread the uh, spread the money out. Totally, when they do it, um, mean it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the, thing. I mean? That's the thing. Don't talk. Let's have some action. Exactly. Uh, Tony Dan um, has obviously been reading my notes because I've got the two bits that um, stood out in particular from Gary's programme notes. There's a lot of it that are financially related, which is a completely different argument, um, which we might touch on in the summer if we don't have much to talk about in the summer. But for now, the the, the two important ones of his programme notes that are important to this discussion are for supporters to have a greater formal voice. Uh, and not to be feared or disrespected and as and the one that Dan picked up on for um, supporters trusts to be invited by shares hold on to veto rights and uh, over material changes to shareholding first and foremost Dan's absolutely right we do have that second one and we're uh, great grateful that the club trust us with that and that is something that we'll cherish and we will look to strengthen in the years and decades and everything else to come but the main thing is we have that, which a lot of other clubs don't. So that's that's really important to emphasise. Um, but it is now time for supporters to have a greater say on the game, isn't it? Whether that's by um, members of the board, members of boards, um, their own sort, of, the, the, their own group running the game. Whether it's to give, I don't know, if you trust the FSA, uh, give them more power or whatever it is. It's time for supporters to have a bigger say. Without a shadow of doubt, Kev, um, I, I, I've already mentioned it. It, it, it. For too long, you've got the case of uh, the the tail wagging the dog. These these owners have got too much power, and that goes right into the um, FA as well because the FA at the top is run by the chairman of the clubs, and it's all the uh, Premier League clubs. So, in actual fact, the FA are are pretty toothless. Um, it's all decided by by the big clubs in in the Premier League, um, and uh, quite right that that has got to be broken. We we need an independent regulator, uh, and we more, we need more stringent uh, checks on that on on potential owners. This whole fit and proper owner uh, criteria has been proven to be an absolute waste of time over the years. Um, that needs to be, uh, well, to have some teeth as well, and, and something proper has to be put into place regarding that. I'd just like to go back to um, what the guys were, were saying about the punishment for the clubs. Um, it's always been the case that the bigger clubs are always treated differently to the smaller clubs. Uh, I'm not just talking about our, our situation here. I'm going back a number of years to the early 90s when Swindon were in the Premier League and they got relegated to divisions for financial irregularities and Tottenham committed exactly the same offence and just got a big fine. Um, so that shows you um, of, of just the disparity there. And to hear a lot of commentators coming out about the big six clubs and saying, you know, it's down to the owners, um, you know, the fans and the, the players and, and, and the management shouldn't suffer any punishment. Where was that sentiment when we were deducted to 40 points? 
It wasn't our fault. It wasn't our players' fault. It wasn't our management's fault. It was the owners. It was down to them. So why should these clubs be treated any differently? Because what they have done is far worse, has far greater implications for the future of football than what we ever did. You know, yes, we went into administration, but when we went into administration both times, it was to get rogue owners out of the club. Yeah. You know, and effectively, the, 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 the financial irregularity with the FA was basically because we paid the amount that was owed, but it came out of the wrong bank account. And it was the club secretary at the time that reported that offence to the FA. Otherwise, they wouldn't have known anything about it. So, so, so much for being fair and honest. OK, now, I, I, I was part of a... Um, a conference call on Tuesday um, that was called and, and there were quite a, 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 a few group of people on there uh, and it was chaired by um, the Labour Party um, and a couple of MPs. The, the, the biggest name on that was Keir Starmer. And they were, before it, all the clubs pulled out, they were trying to or are trying to work with the government about bringing in far greater controls and, and, and doing something about football governance. And I'd like to think that they meant what they said and they're going to use this opportunity because that, 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 let's get this straight. This is an opportunity to do something about it because we're never going to get this come again. As I've said earlier, this problem is not going to go away. These clubs are, or the owners, I should say, are always going to be in the in the background, and sooner or later, it's, it, something's going to happen where they'll get their way, and then we may as well really forget about our clubs. All this about a little bit of money uh, being sent down to us is all sort of, you know, oh, we give them a bung, they'll shut up. It, it goes to their mentality because they Ooh. only see things in terms of money, and this has got to stop. So um, we've all got to get together. We've all got to work, you know, to do something about this before our game is destroyed. Because, you know, this is about they only care, as I said already, and I'm sorry to go over ground again, but at the end of the day, what they're really concerned about is their Asian TV rights and selling shirts to the Chinese. Not that there's anything wrong with selling just the Chinese, but for all these people to just get all this money and, and, and it, it, it's just unbelievable. It, you know, I, I, it, it, it's the unacceptable face of rampant capitalism. That's what it is. You know, a, 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 a few get rich at the expense of, of the vast majority and they don't care. They do not give a monkey's. So uh, I think this opportunity has got to be grasped and uh, something serious has got to be done. And I think the powers that be have got to come together and they've got to be hard faced and not accept any excuses or bullshit from these clubs. I've, I've heard people say, um, oh, they just it, they, they've just done it. So they get what they want out of UEFA or whatever. No, I think they actually meant this. They meant to do that, and they did not expect the backlash that came. 
yeah i would agree with that and uh that that's what it is and 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 this is a threat that we've got to remove totally from off the table interesting yeah, that, um, tony that you've mentioned labor there um and obviously people that listen to this podcast will uh, know that i've fallen <laughs> very uh out of love with uh, the local labor party in luton but uh you know, it speaks to my point earlier about I can't see the Tories getting involved anymore if they've had their pound of flesh out of this. But they, they, they don't understand football as no, well. They don't understand football. The people at the top, they don't understand it either. But at the gen- last general election, people were presented with a raft of wonderful, wonderful policies, one of them which was to give fans more ownership in football clubs. And, oh, yeah. and people decided... They'd rather vote for Fucko the Clown and Brexit. So, you know, I, I, we've had our chance. I think I, I, I want it to change, like you. And I, I think it's we shouldn't. We should, I mean, we shouldn't stop fighting. We shouldn't stop trying. But we had an open goal there, and um, <clears throat> people are so um, so wrapped up <clears throat> in you know leaving the EU that that they voted for a a, a rampant liar misogynist sexist cheater incompetent idiot instead of somebody that was gonna give you more of a stake in in your football club yeah well that open goal's been recreated hasn't it through these um six greedy uh people so let's hope this time um to, to, to be honest with you Kev, i was going to say the the one route that could do it is, is to change the law mm. It is, but I mean, like James says, I mean, you know, you need to have a, a strong interest in in that happening, and uh, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. The Premier League and I think the Premier League and the European Super League cut from the very same cloth as um, yeah. Boris yeah. Johnson and and his his cronies. Yeah. They absolutely that's exactly what they're doing in government, and 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 people are just not paying attention. And if, if anything, if, if we can't do this in football, if this has opened your eyes to the rampant cronyism that's going on right under your noses, then, you know, please, please try and act in whichever way you can, because it's happening everywhere. And it's just the, the Premier League and these billionaire owners is just a symptom of what's happening in our society at the moment. So uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I, this is a pivotal moment in the game, isn't it? So hopefully... Yeah. Someone of authority, whether that's government, football authority, or, or or you know someone independent, gets hold of it and um, takes it forward. I, I I guess the good thing here for all of his faults, and there are plenty. At least Gary Neville has a platform that people seem to take notice of. So if he's on side of it and doesn't let it go, at least it's always going to be in the um, in the public eye for a while. That's the wider f- uh, football issue dealt with. Let's bring it back to uh, closer to home than chaps. Dan, there's four games left of the season. I'm with you. Uh, I agreed with everything that you said in the first part of the podcast. If we lost every game after beating Watford, I wouldn't really have cared. But that doesn't um, seem to be the view of Nathan Jones. And, and I think now, you know, obviously, right, absolutely quite rightly too, we're, we're above Stoke and I think it'll be fantastic if we can finish above them. So let's start with the um, the next four matches, uh, starting with Sunday. 
Um, Bristol City away. I can only assume this game got moved to Sunday because Bristol City played Wickham on Wednesday and they weren't sure if they were going to be finished in time for Saturday. But it has <laughs> been moved to um, Sunday. And um, we've done a good job on them down here. Um, but without reminding you of that horrible experience at their place last season, how do you oh, see this one going? Um, well, I mean, hopefully we have the same spin that we did with Reading last night. Um, and it's not a 3-0 whitewash in the most drab of performances. Um, I can only hope for... I always, I've, I've always got this theory with um, away games that if you can get a point away from home, I'm happy. Um, obviously, it's better if you win. But a point is better than any defeat. And given that I, I don't know the head-to-head record, I used to I used to keep up to date with it, but I've had so much going on, I've not been able to. Um but from my memory, we don't tend to do well there. So I'm hoping I'm hoping above all anything that we get a positive result. A draw would do me nicely. Um, I think a good performance would, wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss either, especially given the last couple of games where we've absolutely dominated teams and uh, got seven points out of three games, which shouldn't go unnoticed either. And... I mean, look, when I said about losing the last five games, obviously, obviously, like the bollocks. Now it, 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 we, we don't we don't have to worry about that anymore because we got over the hurdle we wanted to, which is beating them lot. Um, so now, now we can look at finishing as strongly as possible. Now um, we've got twelve points to play for, and it's it, it it's looking good. I don't I don't mind. If we lose Saturday as, as such, obviously, but I, I think a draw would be not too much to ask for. I don't think they're particularly great this year either. Um, they're not as good as they were last year. So a draw, I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah, we did dominate them down here, James, but I know that there's still scars in everyone's mind about that, how bad we were at their place last season. As Dan said, though, they can't be much cop because they lost to Wickham. They didn't just play Wickham on Wednesday. They lost to Wickham, which takes good effort. Um, so how do, you see it? how do you see it going on Sunday? Um, yeah, the, the scars from the last time at Eston Gate. Uh, well, I, it's funny because the, the game was absolutely awful, but I've never been to a football ground where the media entrance is more impressive than the player entrance. So that felt... <laughs> Made me feel quite quite good going in, but then I had to watch that game, so it was awful. But uh, I, I think this is a win. To be honest, um, you know, if if Wickham have given them a, a going over, and they're not in the greatest of form, um, the Luton are the, the performances are great uh, of the last two games, but I. I don't. I don't care about the results at the moment. I want them to just put in a performance like they did uh, against Watford and put in a performance like it's ready. Because as I said in the last season, uh, last podcast, if if they can get to the position where they're safe, then you've got this unusual scenarios, particularly for Luton in the last ten years. But you've got this end of season run to try some new things or or, or prepare for next season. It's an extended uh, pre season, but competitive. Um, and, you know, when you're playing the likes of Reading, who had to win last night to effectively have a decent chance of getting in the playoffs, um, you know, it's not going to be a sort of end of season, everyone's got one foot on the beach sort of a game. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't care if they don't get a result, you know, as long as they can build on what they've been doing in the last two games. I want to see more of that high energy and uh, and 
and looking like they uh, want to go after teams because if that suddenly starts becoming more of Luton's DNA like it used to be in the lower leagues, God, next season is going to be amazing. Um, I, I, I would, uh, you know, in this last run of games, however, I would like them to get to that um, 61 point mark because that was the last uh, high total of uh, in the championship of, you know, the, the Nichols and the, the Howard era. And it's not that I, um, it's not that I want to compare the two. I know people are very nostalgic about that period and I understand why, but if they can, if this vintage can beat that points total, it goes a hell of a long way to showing just how impressive a season this is compared to last season as well. Because don't forget that team that got the bump from um, League One to Championship. They kept that team. They didn't get their two best uh, fullback attacking weapons uh, taken off them and, mm. and changed their manager. They came up and, and they were able to you know bounce on again. So it, I, I really genuinely think this is such an impressive season. And, and maybe people at the, at this moment don't won't see it. Maybe it might come further down the line with a bit of hindsight when you look back on it. But if they can if they can beat that total um, and get you know top ten, what that does for you next season is it, it, just a fabulous platform. So um, yeah, let's hope they do it. Yeah, indeed, um, Tony. Um... We don't know the motivation of other clubs. Obviously, they might be looking at us the same as we look at them in terms of they've got nothing to play for. We obviously know that we have because we've got sort of targets within sort of targets and things. But on the face of it, they, from what we know, Bristol City aren't playing for anything. In fact, there's only one game of the last four that a club is playing for something. How do you see Sunday going? Uh, again, it, it, it very much depends upon if we can... Uh play the way we did in the, the last uh, three games, well, three and a half games, I should say. Um, I, I could see us going there and getting three points. Um, but again, I, I'd be happy with a point. Um, I Like James, I, I want to see us beat that 60-point mark um, and put as much daylight between us and relegation places as possible. I, I, I mean, I know we're safe now, but I, I, I just want us to have a, a, a good end of season uh, because uh, if you have a winning run at the end, it, it's far easier to go into the following season with that same run of form. So um, I'm hoping we get the same performance we've had against Watford and against Reading and uh, we come away from there with three points. And then we're at home to um, Middlesbrough for um, the start of the May fixtures. I mean, I've just I said we're playing for nothing. I mean, me personally, I, I absolutely loathe Kevin Blackwell after what he did to our club, and he will be coming back as assistant manager for that day. So I would love nothing more than for us to do a proper job on Middlesbrough. But Dan, how do you see that game going? Yeah, uh, just echo what you said about Kevin Blackwell there. I, I, he's another ex-manager we've had who I completely detest. Um, Middlesbrough are nothing special this year, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> they profess to be a bit... I, I, I think Neil Warnock's a really good manager. It's an unpopular opinion. Um, but he is. And 
looking at us, we, we, I mean, with uh, things stand now, we've got a game in hand on them, three points behind them. I'm not looking necessarily to finish above them, but I think if we can beat them, we're, we're as good as finishing above them. Um, I think we can nick a win. Uh, and if it wasn't for Sluger putting, wearing, uh, smothering his gloves with butter, we'd have beat them last year. So, um, the, they didn't impress me either at the Riverside. I remember watching that game. They weren't particularly great either and it was a smash and grab and the penalty debate can can go on and on, can't it? Um, I didn't see anything wrong with it initially and I thought we were robbed of a point, but I, I, can't, I can't remember whether I thought it was or not, to be honest. After watching it several hundred times after. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's out of the question to beat them. Um, I think at home, I mean, it's an empty stadium, so the home advantage doesn't really count. Um, if we've got a crowd in there, I think we've got three points nailed on. Um, and I think, it will, James, did you say it was 61 points last time in the championship? We finished I, I think I think that's right. And uh, if Simon was here, he'd, he'd correct me. And, and if I, I, I can't it, remember. If I've got I, it wrong, he'll correct me on social media. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember such a lot about that season. It was one of the first seasons I started going to every game because of how, how we were. I left a job, a Saturday job. I had to go and watch Luton every week there because I thought I'd never get this chance again. Um, and to go back... And come back 15 years later, and it's been a, it's been some sh- been some show since, hasn't it? Um, but to come from where we were last year again to I'm going off topic a little bit, but from, from the fact we stayed above skin of the teeth last year, deservedly so, and then to build on, um, I th- I th- I think we've we've done exceptionally well. I, th- I think we'll get the 61 points. I think we'll beat that, um, and it will start with Middlesbrough as well. I think we'll get three points there nailed on. James, that Middlesbrough home game revokes memories of the first night back in the championship last season, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, even now it's still, I can tell whenever we talk (laughs) about it, there's still a smile brought to both of our faces. Obviously, (laughs) we've mentioned in the past, you know, I wrote a column about it on your website and everything else. Um, It'll be different this time, though. Then they were managed by a manager that played football. This time they're managed by an anti-football manager and an absolute twat as an assistant. Um, (laughs) But... um, (laughs) Like Dan said, there was nothing to fear at their place. And if James Collins hadn't got his standing foot in the way, we'd have got a draw in that game, if not a winner afterwards. So um, do you see us getting revenge on a week on Saturday? I do. I do see them. Um, But again, more than a result, I want them to go there and and do what they did to Watford. Um, Obviously not because there's any great rivalry, but because... I want Neil Warnock's brand of football to be uh, cast uh, cast into the football dustbin, to be honest. And if Luton mm. could go there and gag and press him <laughs> uh, out of... I'll get you uh, with your football manager. Uh, there you go. Day. There you go. Apologies for the Explain what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if they can go uh, and do that and absolutely, um, you know, uh, put a rocket up them and, uh, and uh, take them apart, then... Um, not you know it doesn't have to, they don't have to score a hatful but if they can just you know show them what next season's Luton is going to be all about then uh, mm. th- that's what I want to see. Yeah, if they can celebrate every goal in front of Kevin Blackwell, so much better. Tony, how do you see um, that one going? Hopefully a win, if only for bragging rights within the family. Uh, I've got some family or Middlesbrough fans, so. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I can't see any reason why we can't get three points against them. Um, it, yeah, I, 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 I haven't really got a great deal of uh, different opinions to James and Dan on this one. Yeah, Neil Warnock. Um, yeah, great. It's going to be a bit like watching Wickham again, isn't it, really? Uh, so, again, I, I hope we can keep the form going, play well and uh, come away with three points. And the following game is the game that should have taken place um, on the weekend that we played Chelsea in the FA Cup. And um, then it should have taken place again last month. And who knows, it might actually take place next month when we um, go home to Rotherham United. There's an awful lot of sort of jovial expressions on social media that, hey, let's lose this game because it will mean Derby get relegated. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, from what I've seen of Rotherham, they've been it's pretty much been Rotherham TV on Sky for the last week. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been an awful lot there that even if we do lose to Rotherham convinces me that they're still going to overtake Derby. But um, another game that we went away to and won in the reverse fixture and Dan, when their goalkeeper seemed to have a magnet for um, Simon and James in the um, in the press box because everything he kicked went in their direction. How do yeah. you, um, you see that one going? They've played a heck of a lot of football in recent times. As I said, every time I've turned Sky Sports on, they've been playing a live game. So um, they might be... Well, on their knees by the time they get to our place. Yeah, I've just been looking at their uh, recent form. In the last five games, they've been playing every three days. So, with a bit of luck, they're flagging and blowing out of their asses. And we can take momentum from having taken a point or three at Bristol uh, to a three against Borough and then hopefully another three against Rotherham. And that'll, that'll do nicely as a last home game. That would be just the icing on the cake. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing, isn't it? Last home game, it'll be great to win and finish off in style and it'll be, yeah. you know, I wonder if I follow or stay on whilst they go around and thank the empty stands for their contribution um, <laughs> season. And uh, I think it's only right. And everything. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the cardboard cutouts have played an important part this season and if they don't get saluted at the end of the season, I'll be asking questions why. You're absolutely <laughs> right with that. Uh, James, I mean, this technically is the only game that matters in terms of someone's playing for something, but actually rather than four points adrift of Derby already. So there's every chance that um, Derby might have pulled clear and they're already relegated by this time. But let's assume that they're not and they are scrapping for something. Do you still think we've got enough to finish that home season with a win? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, they're they're they they'll be flagging at, at that point. Um, you know, I, I was one of those people that had a quick cursory glance at it and thought, could we not just like, uh, <laughs> just throw this one so Derby go down? Nothing would make me happier. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier if they went down. Um, <clears throat> Wayne Wayne Rooney's Derby County, if you will, please. Wayne Rooney's Derby County, but. Listen, give them their it, right title, it's mostly because they've um, they've both been. Um, uh, is it right for me to say allegedly fiddling the books, or <laughs> they, they've not been uh, acting properly regards their finances, and they've been um, fined and probably should have been fined a bit more. So, um, was did they, did they both claw back points off the off the? Sentence they got given, I can't remember. It was definitely Sheffield Wednesday, but listen, there's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of clubs. Half of the division are below Luton at the moment, and a lot of them aren't running their club properly uh, via the finances, and uh, and those two are, are right up there. So uh, it would be poetic justice 
if they both went down. But I can't see it to be honest because I think Luton are gonna gonna route Rotherham. Yeah, uh, I think Sheffield Wednesday are gone, so that's um, that's one of the two out of the way at least. Tony, yeah, I mean, how do you see that? I mean, COVID nineteen have been particularly strong opponents for Rotherham this season, but um, hopefully we will be as well. I think uh, again, I'm not going to disagree with the lads. I think uh, fatigue will have caught up with Rotherham by then. Um, and I'd, I'd rather see them stay out. Oh, where's he gone? It looks like fatigue's caught up with Tony as well. So we'll move on with um, the final game of the season, which is, well, if, if we had the final game of the season 20 years ago, it would be a real rivalry because there was something brewing between QBR and Luton. And then funnily enough, Neil Warnock was also involved in that as well, wasn't he? Uh, who, who'd have thought it? Um, not so much of a rivalry these days, although it's always good to get one over on them, Dan. I mean, this is another game that last season, the first 30 minutes, you don't want to remember. Um, but at least we came back into that game and only just narrowly lost it in the end. Sadly, they beat us start of this year, didn't they? Um, it, this is the archetype, nothing to play for game. But how do you see it going? Um, yeah, it is nothing. I was just having a quick look at the table there. I can see QPR can't make the playoffs, so good. Um I like you say about rivalries as well. I think most London clubs seem to pick on us as a rival, don't they? Um, as if they, as if London doesn't have enough rivalries in amongst itself. I think they're branching out. They just want everyone to hate them, and uh, so be it. Keeping us, it's always been, going to Loftus Road. He's always been a bit of a, a hoodoo for us. I think I'm right again in saying. Um, and they've somehow found themselves up into eighth. They're not, I don't think they're that as good as the table suggesting, but the table ultimately is, you know, that that's where they are because they deserve to be there because that's where they are. Um, but I, th- I think we can go and surprise them. I, I think by this point, obviously, we've had nothing to play now for a few games, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Nathan will use some players that aren't. Uh, not haven't necessarily been playing all season and give some some of them guys a chance, uh, particularly the guys that are out of contract. I'd like to see a few of them sort of try and earn one, if you like. Um, so I, I think it's one that, again, you, you, you don't really have to be too bothered about. I'm not bothered if I'm wrong, really. I'd love to beat them, but I, I, I don't know. If, if we lose, we lose, don't we? I, I think a draw would be good, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's one last chance for players that are going to that want to be in the plans last season. I know Nathan Jones said something a few weeks ago about um, some players have already made my mind up for them. Um, don't I don't know exactly who he's talking about. Uh, I've got a fair idea of some players that are out of contract. So I've got my own ideas of who I think will be in next year and who won't be. Um, Again, another discussion for another time. So, look, it's it, it's it's a it's a free hit, isn't it? Essentially, so if, if we can get a result there, brilliant, and um, it'll, it'll go down in the record books. We can have bragging rights over them if they should continue to see us as a rival. Um, but I, I think a draw will be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's how I see it. It's not going to ruin my summer if we don't. Um... If we, don't happen to, if we don't happen to win that game but James actually I mean that makes a good point it will be the last time certain people play for Luton Town um, that afternoon it's a shame that none of us will be able to um, acknowledge them and give them a kind of 
reception, you know, similar to the one that, you know, uh, last game of the seasons have been greeted to in the recent past. You know, you think of Notts County, uh, obviously we missed out Blackburn last season. Uh, how, do you, how, how do you see that QPR game going? I mean, you know, like I say, nowadays there's no real rivalry. That was just that FA Cup tie sort of 20 years ago. But it'd still be nice to finish the season with a win. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, for the, for the point that Tony made, it gives you that bounce into next season. Obviously, the, the run that Luton went on and the way they stayed up has helped into this season. But obviously, the, the, the gap between last season and the season was considerably smaller because of the, the, the COVID delay. But, um, you know, it can only help, can't it? Um, I think there's probably some, you know, individual settles, uh, scores to settle there. Um you know, I don't think I think Sonny Bradley's been fantastic all season for the large part, but he got um, he got bullied a bit by Charlie Austin there. So there's, there's something in in that for him. Um, any of the team that played in the first half up there last season won't want to have that happen again. And um, yeah, there's something to get back there. I, I actually think that Luton can still catch QPR, and yeah. if, if you think that if you think that Luton could finish in eighth position. Eighth place. That's uh, it's incredible. Um, so there is there, there is there is still stuff to play for. If you can finish up that high, it's uh, it's a real boost. You know, particularly if you're, particularly when you're in the transfer market, you can say, "Well, look where we finished." You know, um, it all helps, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, uh, why not? Let's have a victory. Go out of the bank. Yeah. That'd be nice. Tony's consumed an energy drink and got rid of the fatigue and he's back with us. So, Tony, yeah, how are we doing at home to Rotherham and um, your prediction away to QPR? I think we'll beat Rotherham at home. It's quite simple as that. Um, QPR away, uh, I've got no particular love for QPR. Um, but again, it, it, it's a dead rubber, really, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be nice to finish above them, as James said. Uh, I would like us to win down there, but again, I'll be happy with the point. Um, I'm not particularly that bothered about finishing above them, to be honest with you, Um, because I think uh, we've made steady progress on last season and uh, definite improvement on it. And then, uh, you know, if we can keep doing that every season, we'll be all right. Yeah. Indeed. Um, so the consensus over these four games, hopefully we'll get a few results. Hopefully we'll finish in the top half of the table. Hopefully we'll finish above Stoke and hopefully we'll beat 61 points. And that'll be absolutely fantastic. Uh, speaking of fantastic, uh, it's time for me to put the boys on the spot and get their um, player of the season. Before they give us their player of the season, uh, if you're a trust member, you've already had the details through by email of how to vote for your player of the season. You have until 11.59pm on Sunday night to get your vote in for player of the season. And I do believe there's a few contenders in the running. So uh, don't just assume your favourite's going to win. Make sure you get your vote in. Ditto the goal of the season. Although I suspect that one might be a wee bit more one-sided, has to be um, said. Particularly if Tony's got all of his family to vote. And... Um, <laughs> The club released earlier in the week how you can vote for your internet favourite player of the season and if you're a junior hatter, how to vote for your player of the season. Um, this conversation has kind of had quite a few names thrown about in the three seasons that we've done this uh, podcast uh, in the past, James, but I have a funny feeling, I don't know for certain, but I have a funny feeling there might be a more of a... Uh, 
one name in question here. Am I, am I right? I don't know. I don't know what the boys have got uh, got, got in store, but um, I, I know what mine is. It's nailed on. Um, so before I tell you, but I've got some honourable mentions, really, because yeah, I yeah. Think that, I'm all I, the boys I, give honourable mentions here. But I, I think there's been. The I think there's been some absolutely outstanding uh, performances. Um, a season, sorry, not performances. I think uh, start at the back and time time to sleep up. We've been absolutely outstanding. Um, uh, you know, eleven clean sheets compared to well, I don't know how many it was last season, three or four, wasn't it? And we, and uh, we should make out league clean sheets as well. Obviously, kept yeah. clean sheets in the cup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's it's just been you know imperious. I, I can't remember the last time we made a a, a mistake that was really glaring um maybe that's just my memory as we all know that's not very good um so if that happens sunday we know who we're attributing <laughs> that to. <laughs> um <laughs> you know simon sluga I, I was up there thinking that he, he could be my my player of the, of the year he was he was that high i thought he was really good i've already mentioned sonny bradley he's improved you know, markedly from from last season, and I I thought that might be because he had a partnership with Lockyer, but obviously Lockyer's not been there for a while, um, and he, he's he's still performing very very highly. Lockyer's another one coming uh, and really um, made that defensive partnership his own. Uh, Paddy Radikampanzu, he's been f- phenomenal the last month. I think uh, what well, last two games particularly, uh, but yeah, he's he's. He's improved his his game markedly. There was a little dip um, earlier this year, but um, mostly he's he's always up there as in in the in the ratings. Uh, I say Cal Naismith has been brilliant since he's come in. I I thought he was brilliant the first couple of games. Some people were saying he was rubbish, but he's proved them wrong. If he was here for longer, maybe he'd been more in the equation. Same with Adebayo. An absolute revelation since you come in, uh, and a wonderful bit of, bit of business. But um, yeah, to my 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 player of the year, obviously uh, because I've not mentioned it already, is uh, Kid and Dewsbury Hill. I think he's uh, he's absolutely outstanding uh, young talent. Um, he he he, um, he had a, he had four games where he decided to let somebody else win man of the match. <laughs> but he's been up there very much since you know he's re- renamed that uh, that that award the the Kid and Jusby Hall uh, Memorial Award because he's been he's been absolutely phenomenal and uh, yeah I just uh, I I hope he can I hope that they can get him back I know they want him uh, I know that they've made moves for, uh, to get him but it. It's not up to them. It's up to Lee, uh, Leicester, and uh, I'm a bit cynical on it. I, ju- I just think that he won't get in the Leicester side, and that's not because he's not good. It's because they've got international class players in that position. Um, I just think that they'll they might try and test him, uh, maybe at a Premier League club, or maybe a a club that might finish in the top four or five in in the championship and, and maybe money speaks. I hope I'm really wrong. I hope he loves it so much. He goes back to Brendan Rogers and uh and says if you're not going to play me, please, please, please send me back to Kenworth Road because he hasn't he's only played two games in front of a crowd or 
half half of the crowd, not even half of the crowd, quarter of the crowd. Uh, I know he wants to play in front of uh, in Kenilworth Road, and I hope he gets that chance. So I, I, I really, I really, really hope he comes back. Uh, hope he can do it again. Um, there's probably a discussion to be had about what Luton do do if he doesn't come back because he's been that integral, um, and I think he's a he's he's a wonderful wonderful player, um, and it will go a long way. Yeah, we'll save that discussion for the end of season um, podcast, which we'll bring out next month. Uh, I, I hope that Cal Naismith, who lives with him, locks him in a room somewhere and doesn't let him out until August, by which time <laughs> Leicester have forgotten about him. But um, who knows? Um, Dan, again, honourable mentions. Feel free to give some uh, and then your player of the season, please. OK, yeah. Um, not going to be too different from what James has said in terms of honourable mentions there. Um Sonny Bradley's, as he said, improved massively. Um, Sluger's been fantastic this year. Uh, Lockie has been a good solid signing. Pelly, for my money, is definitely up in the in the discussion. Um, Naismith and Adebayo, if they'd have been here a bit longer, I think they deserve to be in there as well. Uh, it player, it's, it's KDH, isn't it? It's got to be because um, he has just been consistently absolute quality. And not only that, I mean, you, you get a lot of young players that, that come here on loan from these Premier League clubs. Um, but his, his attitude has been spot on. Um, I could mention a certain flash player we had on loan from Chelsea last year who was supposed to set the world alight and uh, can't really set Sheffield alight apart from their medical room. So, um <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you do get these young players coming on. I remember Rory Allen back in '98 had such an impact and kept us up. I've never forgotten him. Gary McSheffrey came here from Coventry and had a really good, um, really good first spell with us. And I'm trying to think of some others that we've had. Andre Cameron Carter Vickers. Vickers last year. Yes, yeah, I've forgotten. I've, so I've forgotten last year because of COVID. Really, I've just forgotten <laughs> um, but yeah these players and but Jewsbury Hall not not only has he been quality he, he looks like he wants to be here um, I was on that Zoom meeting the meet the manager thing and they had Jewsbury Hall and Sonny Bradley and Gary Sweet was there and was it Justin Daly from Three Counties and Jewsbury Hall spoke like he was one of us really he, he spoke like he was a fan and as James said he's, he, he made no secret that he wants to play in front of um, the supporters here at Kenilworth Road um, I would love him to stay next season I, I would absolutely love it um, if we could have him another year that would be brilliant uh, like I say it's in Leicester's hands isn't it uh, but yeah he's my player of the year absolutely nailed on um, I think if George Moncur gets a few more games he's in the discussion as well I think he's very criminally underrated um, for, for whatever reason I, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors there's obviously something that's stopping him from playing more because uh, every time I've seen him he's, he's changed the game and, and you need those players in your squad and I th- looking at our squad we've we've got quite a strong squad um, we don't have stand-up players I was on a, a podcast a few weeks ago uh, it was a Coventry City supporters one because I lived there for a bit but they've, they've branched out to other supporters clubs and uh Looking at our squad, I mean, they, they, they were envious of some of the players we've got in there. No real standout player for them, as far as they were concerned. But it was more of the fact that somebody gets injured, we've got someone that can replace them and, and do a decent job. And we, we've we've got that in abundance. Um, 
but yeah, Jusby Hall is a standout player, isn't he? He absolutely is. Love yeah, it. Tony, um, your player of the season. <laughs> Sorry, Tony, did I go on? Yeah, a few honourable mentions there. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, Pelly Bradley. Um, as played, but I think uh, Matty Pearson's done all right as well, uh, considering he, he's been asked to play right back a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Naismith and Adibayo again. Um, for me, yeah, it it, it can only be uh, Dewsbury Hall. He's been head and shoulders. He's been very consistent. Um, yeah, and again. Just like Dan and James, I I would love to have him back here next season. Yeah, I thought it would be um, pretty unanimous, and um, there you go. That's it's yours, uh, Kev. Can't be any more unanimous than that. James, look, you've given him the opportunity to write about him on your website. Anyone <laughs> no who reads your website will not need to ask that question. My player of the season by far is um, Kin and Dewsbury Hall, but. I will give an honorary mention to one player for one kick of a football and neither of none of you gave it to him. So I will give an honorary mention to James Collins, literally yeah. just for that kick of the football uh, <laughs> last, last Saturday. That's not undoing any of the fantastic work he did before that, but that particular kick of the football is the highlight of the season. So yeah, Keenan Jewsbury Hall, honorable mention to uh, to James Collins. Uh, Kev, so we, here's a question for you. Go on. Because last year, last year, you wrote a piece for my website that said Cameron Carter Vickers is possibly the best ever loan signing for Luton. Is is uh, Kin and Jewsby Hall? Where does he stand? Well, I approached that column from a standpoint of the impact of the loan signing, didn't I? Rather than the technical ability of the loan sign and I, and I still I would still say that the impact that Cameron Carter Vickers had last season is greater than the impact that Kean and Dewsbury Hall has had this season purely because I still think we would have had enough to have stayed up without Dewsbury Hall I don't think we would have been top half or anything like that but we stayed up without him last season I think we would have had enough to stay up with him this season but if you're asking me who's the better footballer then I don't think I've seen a better footballer in a Luton Town shirt since the 80s than Kean and Dewsbury Hall. And um, that's all I, you know, that's all there is to say. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I think he's got everything. He's got vision. He's got balance. He's got strength. He's got a pass. He's got goals. He's got absolutely everything. I mean, this. let's be honest, when this kid breaks into the Leicester team, he's not just going to stop at Leicester, is he? He's going to go beyond them, going to go into the international reckoning. So in terms of, Ability, he's the greatest loan signing I've seen, but I still think the impact that Carter Vickers had last season was just cannot be understated. We were abysmal defensively until he walked it through the door. No hey, doubt yeah. in my mind, if he hadn't walked through the door, we'd be a League One club right now. Hey, James, great yeah. night, isn't it? He's two for two tonight, isn't he? Six <laughs> and uh, Watford. <laughs> he's doing all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Dewsbury Hall, my player of the season. Um, 
but again, mention to um, James Collins just for that penalty kick on on Saturday. So we've covered uh, what's gone. We've covered what's happening now. And let's have a little glimpse into the future, which we always do on this podcast. I'm going to start with you on this one, Dan, because obviously you're... Um, guest on the podcast so uh, mm. as well as discussing Newlands Park which we'll do uh, in a minute before you do that uh, Power Court what an exciting proposition for a Luton fan yeah isn't it just um, I've lived out of the Luton area for over 20 years now and the overriding thing whenever I mention I'm a Luton fan to anybody outside is oh Kenilworth Road is shithole and I've always defended Kenilworth Road because it's my home I love it but now we've got this opportunity to show off this new stadium when it when it eventually comes. The revised plans look even better than the original, in my opinion, and it's full steam out. I'm ready to go. It'll be sad to lose to, to leave Kenilworth Road in a lot of ways, um, the sentimental side of it. Um, uh, I, I always remember when my dad's a Leicester fan, I always remember when they left Filbert Street, the, the part of it, he said a part of him sort of died inside. But after, after a few visits to the new stadium, he, he, said, he said, we needed to do it and we absolutely need to do this. So it's, it's really exciting time for Luton as a town, the area and as a football club, it's, it's, it's been long, long time coming. It's been a long, long time coming and it's finally going to happen. I always thought I was taking the grandkids to Kenilworth Road because of the, the non-movement on it over the years. And it's only the vision that 2020 have got and realised it for us that we're now going to see our dreams come true and move to a bigger, better stadium. Full steam ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It is a shithole, but it's our shithole and we love it. Exactly. And, um, you know, for the next three years, we're going to love it even more uh, as we look forward to Power Court. But um, aside from Power Court, James, we've obviously got Newlands Park. Uh, details were released today, actually, of some changes up there. Um Let's just gloss out the, the main ones. We'll, we'll do a proper discussion on this during the summer when I hope to get someone from the club in to um, talk to us about that. But primarily, less retail, less leisure, um, plenty of glamour still, still going to be um, food outlets, still going to be a department store, high market department store, I think is the term that it's been described as, still going to be some business stuff, everything else that's going to pay for Power Court, but maybe without a little bit of the sort of luxury mod comms that, that were going to be there prior to the pandemic. Yeah, it's it's like a, a little bit less razzmatazz, isn't it? I think um, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you know, and I, I can't help but feel a little bit deflated by that. And and it's not a criticism of anything. It, it, well, it's a it's a criticism of COVID, really, how much it's taken away from us because. You know, it's they've had to reshape the plans because, you know, our, our people's shopping habits have changed and people's leisure habits have changed, and they it, it was always going to go that way. But uh, you know, I you know I live slap bang in the middle of uh, Power Court and Newlands Park, so I could have gone to either for my you know nights out and stuff. And you know, it remains to be seen what actually goes there with because this is not a detailed plans just as the the ones for the power court, or the, the stadium portion of power court, they weren't detailed. So there's more to come on it. So we'll find out. So I will, you know, sort of reserve my judgment. It's just, you know, for what COVID's taken away from us, you know, a, a, a season for you guys being able to go to the ground. Um, and, you know, yeah, it goes without saying, 
all that stuff is not as important as people's lives. That's the par- most paramount thing, and it's been that's been you know devastating for the country and, and people that have lost people. Uh, but you know, it's 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 it's, it's taken the, the right for fans to to see how wonderful this season has been. You know, up close and personal, you've had to watch it on TV, and now it's taken a little bit of the leisure and the and the retail away from from Newlands Park. Don't get me wrong, I I, I genuinely don't care about the, the, the retail, um, other than the fact that, that we had to fight um, the, the mob from the Arndale over it, even though the, the, the case for it was it was clear and obvious that it wasn't going to harm them. Um, I was happy to I was happy to lend my my small bit of effort to to campaigning for that. Um, it's the leisure side of it, really. Uh, you know, there was going to be a small boutique cinema at Powercourt and a, and a cinema up at Newlands Park, and that's all gone now. And you know, I don't do a lot of things now that now that I'm a parent. I go I, I go to the a football. I used to go to gigs, and I can't do that anymore at the moment. But thankfully, there's still a music venue at Powercourt, and I, I used to go to the cinema. I haven't been able to do that for a year, but um, so that side of it is is. Uh, a bit disappointing but like I say the main thing is that um, it it will fund Power Court and everything wonderful that's going to happen there and it is still going to um, prevent that leakage of, of shoppers people that do like shopping from, from going down the road either way um, which is what it was there for and what, what it set out to do um, so I, you know, I, I wait with eagerness to see what the, the more detailed plans are, as everyone as everyone does. But um, uh, you know, I don't. I, I think I'd be a bit somber there. I don't. I don't want people to get too downhearted and disappointed about it. I've seen some comments and saying, "Well, they, this is what they always planned. They, they they promised the world and not given it." But I don't think it's that. It's just a, a natural uh, reaction to to. The, the current landscape and the current way the world is. Um, so, uh, you know, they had they, they had to do that because one can't happen without the other. So, and we all want a stadium to be watching football in, don't we? So, um, it's, it's, it's a small, small, small sacrifice in the end of it. But uh, it's all coming together basically, though, isn't it? So, all these plans are coming out, and uh, we're going to see a bit more of that throughout the year. And hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll see some building works and spades in the ground and, and it's full steam ahead. So um, in that regard, it's it's very positive. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's it's like you you win the lottery, um, but then you find out that you've shared it with five different people. You ain't got as much as what you thought you'd have, but you still got plenty and um, happy days. Um, Tony, I think the important thing to sort of take from these updates really and they're becoming more regular now aren't they with both in power court and in newlands park is that if there is still cynicism out there and i understand why there would be from everyone that's you know oh i'm never going to see a new stadium in my lifetime etc 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 but if there is still that cynicism it is a reminder that actually this is going to happen everything's on track we will get to where we are but at the same time it is a slow process because of everything that's going on in the world yeah I, I can understand that attitude to to a large extent because uh, you know we have waited so long for a new ground um which i think was uh, first mooted back in the in the late 50s 
Uh, I wasn't around there then, contrary to popular belief, by the way. Which is uh, a highlight, just how long it's been <laughs> since we've um, had this new ground. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen so many schemes over the years, not, not just the, the Kona Dome before that, the proposed new ground that was going up at uh, Lucy Farm. And this is the closest we've ever come to it actually happening and you're right it will happen um and the the, the club have already given the commitment to power court being up and running within three years um which sounds like a, a tad ambitious to me but um hopefully they'll do it because they've they've set their their targets before and they've achieved them i mean they said they wanted us in the uh, championship by 2020 they've achieved that um which is a fantastic achievement. Uh, we did that in such a short space of time. Newlands Park, again, I'm very much like James. I know Power Court depends upon Newlands Park, but it is Power Court that I want, you know. But if you, if you look at all uh, developments and planning applications, they do change. Uh, the original um, planning applications that go in, in a lot of cases, that what they get at the end is uh, totally different to uh, what was envisaged in the first place. And I think that's bound to happen. I mean, James has already covered the economic argument. Yeah, you know, um, retailing has changed so much. Um, you, you've only got to look at the number of uh, retailers that have, have deserted the Arndale over the last few years. Um, so I think uh, Newlands Park was bound to change. Although um, it's not um, totally lost all the retail there, um, it's still going to have the hotel and offices. They're just looking to attract uh, more modern businesses, data businesses and uh, logistics, which is a posh way of saying warehousing. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It, it 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 it's not going to be like you know when you when you first arrive at Milton Keynes and you see all the warehouses there and it it's not going to be like that. It's going to be properly fronted, and I believe the plan is that it's still going to be a proper gateway to Luton. Um, and in, in fact, actually, the financial gains from having uh, warehousing for the benefit of John Piper um, <laughs> is. Um, you know better and they will get a better return from it so i knew right from the word go that what they planned wouldn't be what we actually ended up with at newlands park and uh, as i said it, it, it's a means to an end it has to be done um and i i i, I, I still think it, it it's great for the town the economic um growth and uh, the job situation there is going to be fantastic and and i think as well that will have a bearing on this and, and what's happening is the financial situation that uh the council finds itself in in luton so anything that will help to bring revenue in for them has got to be good so um i think i read tony that the the money coming back into the local economy from the the project is still broadly the same as what they set out. It was like 250 million a year. I think it's like give 
give or take a million either way, uh, somewhere around that region. So it's still they're still achieving that aim, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And uh, when you think about the extra um, income that the council are getting in terms of council tax and local people are going to have more money in their pockets, they're going to be able to spend more for the other local businesses, it's a win-win situation for the town. So I, I, I think it's very hard at the moment, as you already mentioned, COVID and everything, but I think that the, the future is quite bright. You know, we just got to grin, grin and bear it at the moment. And, and I, I hope I'm still around for the time when we kick off at Newlands Park, uh, uh, Power Court. It shows you how tired I am, you know. <laughs> you could kick off it. You could kick off up there. Tell you what, that wasn't directed at Dan earlier. It's because of no, James, you know. <laughs> you, you, you can kick off up at Newlands Park while the rest of us go to uh, yeah, Power true. Court, mate. Uh, Dan, I'll just bring you in on this. I mean, yeah, maybe the cherry on top of the um, cake has disappeared, but it's purely a sign of the times, isn't it? I mean, we've got to remember that five years ago, these plans were first put to public um, exhibition, and we're here. Um, doing this podcast on zoom and five years ago i don't even think zoom had even been in the pipeline at it so that goes you know, now it's part of our everyday life so um, it, it just goes to show that what happens in five years but the end result is we're going to leave kenworth road newlands park's going to have a, a fantastic new facility and more importantly the football club's going to have a fantastic new stadium exactly and um, it's it, it's the most thought out properly thought out plan that's been put forward um I think was it Tony or James mentioned the Cola Dome. <laughs> that was my first, the first thing I I saw as a ten year old kid. I'd been, only been watching Luton for a year, and I remember the opening game against Norwich. I opened the program up, and there's this Cola Dome thing, retractable pitch, and like this, it, an all sixty thousand seat stadium. I remember my dad huffing. He goes, "You don't even get, you don't even fill this one." <laughs> <laughs> and so you could see how far out that was. So then. If dare I swear and mention the the wanker we had in two thousand and three that wanted to build the sixty thousand seat stadium on stilts over the M one with an F one track for running through it, which is about as hilarious as this Super League nonsense that we spoke about <laughs> earlier. Um, I, I think I think he's been given them. I think he's been involved in that somehow. <laughs> <That's ridiculous. laughs> it, it would not surprise me. And you were lucky you didn't have to deal with him, mate. <laughs> no, I, I know you did. You, you know, I was, I was going to ask for your autograph, Tony, from <laughs> <laughs> the documentary. <laughs> I was really snoring at some of the times when I met him, I tell you. Yeah, no, I, I, I lived in Grantham at the time in Lincolnshire, and I'll never forget when... Um, that it was announced Kinnear and half had been sacked and I was so angry I wanted to I didn't even drive yet and I wanted to drive down to Kenilworth Road and knock seven bales of shit out of him but a scrawny little 17 year old wouldn't have done much against him um, I, I, I tell you what Dan you know at some point in the future when we can have a beer we'd have to get together for a beer and I can tell you some stories alright yeah I look forward to it <laughs> then, it, then it'll be your turn to um, fall asleep and uh, <laughs> uh, James, James can buy <laughs> oh, what was that you broke up there sorry about that Tony. <laughs> um, the, the, there was another one as well when Kevin Blackwell and I, I'll never forget when he went on Football Focus as well I remember watching this one uh, when they wanted to go to Junction 12 and he said we'll be there by 2.09 which I thought okay whatever and he said anyone that doesn't want to be part of it can stop bothering coming to watch Luton because we don't want them 
and uh, see you later, Mr. Blackwell, um, along with your awful plans as well. I think, was it Cliff Bassett put that one forward? I can't, can't remember um, which chairman it was. Uh, but uh, I mean, we're, we're, I've gone right off the subject here. But yeah, to have this, to have this along with um, the project to Newlands Park is just as important. They both need each other and it's, it should generate a lot of revenue for the town, as we've touched on, and should generate a lot of income for, the, hopefully, for the football club as well. Um, but Luton needs needs an attraction um, like Milton Keynes has got with its shopping centre, like like you've got it down the road as well and other places we can mention. Um, Luton's been screaming out for investment for years and we're finally getting it. And I just hope that the council continue to to back the projects and and carry on and and in a few years time you know you can send the missus up Newlands Park to do the shopping or get whatever bit she needs to get while you're at while we're at Power Court getting pissed having a laugh something to eat and then meet up after and go to a gig or something it's 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 about it's it's, it's more than just a plot of land making a bit of money it's more than just another plot of land with a football pitch on it you know it, it's, it's bringing families and communities together and it, it absolutely 100% has to happen. It's, it's paramount to the future of the football club and Luton as a town, I think. Yep, certainly um, certainly is. And, uh, you know, it, it will happen. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. If things change, uh, modifications happen as plans um, become more detailed, then so be it. But the main thing is that sometime in this decade, um, we're sitting at Power Court watching um, our team make us proud uh as always um just a couple of things before we go just to uh as notifications uh season tickets are out now if um you didn't get an email from the football club check your junk folder because that's where mine went yeah um prices are frozen for this season which is a really we haven't touched on this only because there's so much to talk about this month but we'll touch on it um next month it's a fantastic offer from the football club there's a 40 percent credit option as well should you need it and obviously if you do and you take that up then that doesn't make you any less of a fan than those that don't and we're not going to get involved in all of that but the options there uh, and also um membership for uh, the 2021-22 season from Luton Town Sports Trust uh, is now available. Uh, again, if you're already a member, you'll have had an email telling you how you can renew. If you're not a member with that season ticket brochure, uh, you'll get the option to um, join us for the first time. And as we always say, the more members we have, the stronger our voice can be. And one of those members is Dan. And we are delighted that we've had you on the podcast um, this month, Dan. Come and join us again next season, won't you? Where hopefully we're talking about an equally good season. But it's been great to have you along this month. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm uh, happy to come on and talk anytime you want to. Um, yeah, it's been it's a good podcast as well. Uh, so credit to all three of you. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for having me on. No, that check of ten pound is in the post, but I haven't put a stamp on it, so you're going to have to pay for. Um, <laughs> but James, Tony, it's been uh, fantastic, thanks, and um, we'll be back next month after the season's ended for our end of season review. So until then, thanks very much for listening to both parts of the podcast. Here's to a fantastic end to do what has been a brilliant season, and uh, keep your eye out on your emails and everything else. We will tell you when the end of season awards video is coming out. Get your votes in for that player of the season. And we'll see you next month. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.